they didn't tell you was that your occupancy was his eviction. Come on, Dominion. When you set foot on these grounds and we decreed and declared this place for the glory of God, Someone let the devil know. Tell him that he's got to go. We declare an uprooting and an uplifting of every spiritual principality and power of darkness over this area. We declare freedom, liberation, the light of God's word, and the power of the gospel going forward. If you believe that with me this morning, someone shout amen. Amen and amen and amen. You may be seated all over the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you are excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. I do want to encourage you that this is not the end of a thing. It's not the arrival of a thing, the finish of a thing. This is just the beginning. So you've crossed over. Somebody say, we crossed over. over. Amen. We made it. We made it. We made it. But it's just the beginning. And even as I contextually look through Scripture, I realize that after Joshua took the people and they breached and went across the Jordan, that it was only the beginning of what God was about to do through a mighty fortress of his people, Israel. And I truly believe, even in accordance to the words that Pastor Devon Pops released over this house, y'all, it is just the beginning. There's some things I'll share in the weeks ahead, but even this place is too small for us. And I know some of you think, you say, man, like, what are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to continue to trust God just like we always have, and we know that where he guides, he provides. We've got overflows happen today because of, the, because of the amount of people that have showed up to what God is doing. Come on, give God praise for that. Amen. And I truly believe that this is just the beginning of something incredible. I'll share with you that even in the few weeks coming up, I'll tell you Easter with our Resurrection Sunday service that we're looking to hold at the end of this month, even then we're going to gather under the outdoor uh, worship venue. We're going to seat for 800 people. Come on, somebody. And nothing says resurrection morning than having service outside. Come on, somebody. And so even uh, on Easter Sunday, we're going to have that. So I'm just excited about what God's doing. And then there's some other things in the work. Yes, even more immediately, a position and pivoting to a larger space in the coming weeks, months, as Trey has probably just fallen out in the back room and Jackie Hatcher is having a mild heart attack right now, but they'll be okay. Um, I want you to go with me in your Bibles this morning to Ephesians 3. I'm going to be practical, but know that the Spirit will be powerful in what I want to share with you this morning, Ephesians chapter 3. One more time, though, before we transition even in the Word. Can you put your hands together for this incredible worship team, Dominion Worship? Come on. And can we thank God for all the people, 70-plus people that are serving throughout this campus right now, from Kingdom Kids to Nurse. Come on. Come on. Jesus is doing an incredible work. And so we honor all those that are serving. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. I want to read out of the King James Version, and then I'm going to jump into the Passion Translation. It says, now unto him, somebody say unto him, that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that's at work within us. Verse 21, unto him, somebody say, unto him. Be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now, I want to read it to you out of the Passion Translation that says this. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, 
and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all. For his miraculous power constantly energizes you. And now, after that energizing power gets in us, and now, after that encounter with the power that's at work within, and now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church in every generation through Jesus Christ and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity. Amen. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your word, God. God, and I thank you for bringing us to a moment like this that we can say, you did it. God, it's amazing to me what you will do with your people's yes. And God, while there is an exchange of might and power in the people's yes, I also know, God, that there's adversity, there's pain, there's hurt, God, that people had to walk through to get to this moment. But now unto you be all the glory all the honor and all the praise because, Lord, you alone are worthy of it. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Dominion, will you one more time put your hands together for a God who does the unimaginable. Come on! Before I even give you the title of today's message, I want to share something with you. I was in a restaurant on Friday eating with my wife in the midst of all of our craziness of life we've had going on a couple weeks, and there was a newspaper that was there on the counter as we were getting ready to leave. And when I read it, I knew that the Spirit of the Lord was even using it to prophetically decrease something. And the, the team has a picture of it, if y'all will pull up the, the clipping of the newspaper article that I had sent you. And this was in the Post and Carrier where it says, what is the PD? Somebody say, what is the PD? And then it said this under subtitle, Understanding South Carolina's Most Underestimated Region. And when I began to read that title, I, be, I, I, I believe truly that this newspaper was a prophetic declaration of, watch this, underestimated. Somebody say that word, underestimated. Underestimated. That's what I want to talk to you about just briefly this morning because I believe the next great move of God is not coming from a major city. I, oh, come on. I believe the next great move of God is coming from the rural. It's coming from the overlooked. It's coming from the underestimated. It's coming. The next great move of God is not coming from cities that everyone knows its name. It's not coming from preachers where everyone knows their name. But I believe the next great move of God is coming through the underestimated. I believe the next great move of God will not be coming from ministries that are seen on every TV channel. I do not believe the next great move of God will be seen uh, and publicized even as much as many would like it. But I believe this next great move of God will come from the backside of the field like David after he has slain the lion and the bear. I said, somebody get ready because the Davids are coming out of the field and they have been anointed and they have been appointed and the Spirit of God, I'm speaking to somebody who's been warring on the backside of the field and you feel like no. Nobody's seen you. You feel like nobody has heard you. But God said in this season, I'm anointing you and appointing you. Let me talk to the overlooked 
today. Let me talk to the person that feels like you've just been laboring in the backside of the field. The next great move of God is not coming on those that want to have their name in lights. The next great move of God is coming from those that know how to hide, that know how to get in the secret place, that the Bible would say these are those that have turned the world upside down, and they were people that had spent time with Jesus. Let me tell you this. It'll come through the Moseses who have been buried in the desert. It'll come through the Noahs that no one knowed of. The next great move of God. I, I can't help but think of even Noah. For 120 years, he's building a boat. For 120 years, he's laboring. For 120 years, they're mocking him. For 120 years, they're, they're belittling him. For 120 years, they're scoffing. For 120 years, they're disregarding what God is assembling. For 120 years, they're underestimating what's coming. But then all of a sudden, there came a day that it began to rain. And now that which was overlooked was looked to. The Bible says they ran and they pounded on the door saying, let me in. But it was too late. See, just like this newspaper, this article made me realize just a, a prophetic proclamation even over our region. I truly believe that this area, this region, is being marked for the glory of God, the move of God, but we will not be able to capture it as long as we underestimate it. Somebody has to sit down and say, God, I see what you're doing. I reckon, come on, it may be Darlington, but it's his darling. I want you to know it is not known as the Pearl of the PD because man named it that. God is producing something in the pressure. See, I believe that if we're not careful, though, we will underestimate God. Catch me this morning. Do not underestimate what God is doing. I, I, I can think biblically of, a, of the last person that underestimated God. I can think of a character that we would all know who the Bible would go down to declare him as the accuser of the brethren. The Bible would tell us about this slew-footed liar, this serpent who stands before the throne of God day and night talking and accusing the brethren. But I can remember this character known as Satan who thought that he had God pinned. See, I, I, I can think of it there, there where the enemy would have thought that he had won and he had done something. And, and, and I want you to understand something, that when, the, when Satan was at work, he thought, I'll just crucify the Son of God. I'll kill him. I'll kill him dead. I'll leave him on the cross to die and to bleed. And all the while, while Jesus was crucified, the enemy was underestimating. God was about to do something exceedingly and abundantly, far more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. See, the devil laughed, and he thought that it was in this moment that he had won. He shouted with joy. They had crucified the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Ha, ha, hell shouted. He's dead. But see... Satan's mistake was that he underestimated what God was doing. I believe that the devil laughed and shouted his shouts of joy as they carried his body to the borrowed tomb. But even the enemy underestimated what God was about to do simply because he missed the naming of the tomb. The Bible said that he was placed in a borrowed tomb. You only borrow things that you know you're going to give back. And the enemy thought it was final, but God said, no, it's just my comma. Where the enemy thought he was placing a period, God was about to take a breath. The story was, come on, I need to speak to that person today that you feel like the enemy's placed you in a tomb. I came to prophesy to you today and tell you it's borrowed. You may have been put in a pit. You may have been put in a prison, but you've only been put there for a moment, and God's about to raise you out. Because the enemy, the enemy underestimated the power that's at work within you. See, still, though, the party in hell began. I can imagine the demons and all of hell rejoicing 
as they strummed up their party and they began to celebrate. I could hear the laughter and the chatter in the pits of hell. Ha ha, at last, we have killed the Son of God, the King of Kings. He's dead. But all of a sudden, over the shuffle of the noise, over the commotion of there, there was a knock at the door. And, and they said, who is this? Who could this be to show up to the party? Who is this? And then we would find out in Revelation chapter 1 that, that, that which Jesus would relay to John on the island of Patmos when he said these words in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Watch this part. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. What am I telling you? That when Satan underestimated what God was doing, Satan lost the keys to his own house. The moment that Satan thought that he had won, the moment that Satan thought for sure this is it, let me speak to the person today that you feel like you're at the end of your rope. Let me talk to the person today where you feel like hell is laughing, the party is bumping, and all of a sudden you feel like it's over. I decree in the spirit there's a knock at the door, and the one that said I got the keys of death, hell, and the grave is standing in front of you saying I got the keys of the kingdom and I give them to you. Hebrews 11.6, we find out that if we're not careful, we can put a cap on God. See, we can be the ones that are blocking our blessings simply because we underestimate God. I think there's people even in this room that some of you may have underestimated what God is doing. There's some of you in this room even today that you thought you had it pinned what God was about to do in your life. You thought that this was it, but only to find out God was not done. I need you to turn to somebody next to you and tell them God ain't finished. Come on, prophesy to your neighbor, tell them God ain't finished. As long as there is breath in your lungs, God ain't done. Come on, somebody. As long as you're still breathing, the story ain't over. Oh, come on. I can't underestimate him because I'm still breathing. But Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible. Somebody say impossible, impossible. to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. <laughs> that he is. That he is. That he is. That he is the bridge over troubled waters. That he is the lily of the valley. That he is the rose of Sharon. That he is the prince of peace. That he is my comforter and my counselor. That he is the king of kings and the lord of lords. That he is the great I am. That he is El Shaddai. That he is Jehovah Rapha. That he is Jehovah Nisi. That he is Jehovah Jireh. That he is the bright and morning star. That he is my comforter, my peace. And my joy that he is whatever you need this morning, God is. But whoever comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Let me tell you something God is madly in love with you. He is infatuated with you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell and call the devil's lie out this morning. Some of you came in here. You fought hell to get here. You felt you, the enemy told you you wouldn't belong, that you wouldn't be welcome, that God didn't want you, that you're, you're a mistake. Let me tell you something. He said, for I knew you before I formed you. In your mother's womb, I called you. Watch this. Before you had your life falling apart, he was already putting it into place. Oh, come on, somebody. Before youth could even rise up and say it was over, God said, I'm just getting started. Let me tell you, though, God is madly in love with you, and he created you for purpose, on purpose, with a purpose. 
God said he created you on purpose, for a purpose, with a purpose. God created you. From Ephesians 3.20, I want to give you this and we're done. I want to give you five things that I believe the church is guilty of in underestimating God. Five things. If you've got your notebooks, you can pull them out. This is the part where you really need to take notes. You ready? The first thing that I believe the church is guilty in underestimating God in is thinking that God's power is limited by our human understanding. The moment that we think God's power is limited by our understanding, what we actually do is we limit him. The moment that we think his power is limited by our understanding is the moment that we limit him. Now unto him who is able. I love the fact that the Bible said unto him. Somebody say him. Here's the great release. It's not about you. It's never been about you. It's all about him. And as long as you put him, Matthew 6 and 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not yours, not mine. As long as you put him first onto him, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, far more than we ever ask, think, or imagine. It's unto him. It's not unto you. I said it's unto him. It's not unto you. See, the enemy would love for you to make it about you. Because the moment you think it, make it about you, then all of a sudden you fall in the trap that, that Satan made where he wanted to make worship about him. And when it becomes about you, then pride is at the door. And the Bible said that pride cometh before destruction. See, the plan of the enemy is to try to make it about you. But if you'll ever get the revelation, now unto him who is able. It's not about me. It's not about my ability. It's about him. I believe that the church is guilty of underestimating God by limiting his power based on our human understanding. I love that the Bible says my ways are not your ways and they're far too great for you to understand. I love the fact that when I deal with families who has lost a child or in an accident, good people die. And when they die, people say, you know, why do good things happen or why do bad things happen to good people? I want you to know that I take comfort in the fact that says my ways are not your ways and they're far. I don't try to always figure God out. I just trust him as God and knowing that he sits high and looks low and the earth is his footstool. And if I just trust him as God, I don't need to know the ways. I just need to know he's Yahweh. The second way that the church is guilty in underestimating God is that we believe that God's love has boundaries and conditions. I'm going to shake the religious spirit out of the bush this morning. Y'all ready? See, I love the fact that you take confidence in John 3, 16 that said, for God so loved the world. Catch that now. It didn't say for God so loved the preacher. It didn't say that God so loved the rich man. It didn't say that God so loved the one that had it all together. It didn't say that God so loved the one that didn't smoke. Come on. It didn't say that God so loved. Come on, somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to rub that. I'm going to rub that today because you need to understand that the Bible said that God so loved the world. Romans would tell us that God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, God's not waiting on you to get your life together because if you get it together, you can make it fall apart again. But if you'll come to God and believe that he is who he says he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, if you'll come to God and believe that, watch this, all of a sudden the transformation that takes place is not of your own doing, it's his. I meet people all the time to say, man, I want to get involved in church. I want to serve God. I want to do things for God, but I can't do it because I'm still smoking. I'm still cussing. I'm still drinking. I'm still. And what I say is come unto me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden. Come on. He didn't say all you that got it cleaned up, all you that got it together. And see where the church underestimates. Oh, come on, somebody. Where the church underestimates God is believing that his love has boundaries. I'll tell you this, that God will love you all the way to hell. And come on, even while you're in hell, he will still love you. See, but religion says get it right before you come to him. 
Religion says change the way you dress. Don't you know that Jesus came and he rebuked that when he said, you religious folk, he said, you ain't nothing but whitewashed tombs. He said, you got it all together on the outside, but on the inside, you're filled with dead man's bones. See, church, church, religious church folk, they'll tell you, fix up the outside. You better, you better, you got to change. Oh, if you're going to be around church people, you got to talk like this. You got to walk like this. You got to dress like this. And the moment that we do that, we have placed boundaries on the love of God, boundaries of a God that I understand that, that he said, I'm able to do exceedingly and abundantly far more than you ever asked, thought, or imagined because our God is a barrier-breaking God. Not only is he a barrier-breaking God, there's no shadow he won't light up. There's no mountain he won't climb up. There's no lie he won't tear down running after you. Don't you know he leaves the 99 to go after the one? We serve a God that leaves, it, leaves the ones that got it all together and goes after that one knucklehead. I'm sorry, that one person that went astray. We serve a God that leaves the 99 and goes after the one because there is no boundaries on his love. And I don't care where you are today. I don't care where you were last night, and neither does he. All that matters is that today, you understand, today is the day of salvation. That he said, today, come to me. If you're in this room today, and your chest is tight, and you're burdened, and you're full of, you're full of fear and anxiety, he's saying, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. The third, third way that we underestimate, underestimate God is I believe that we assume God's plans can be thwarted by our mistakes. Let me tell you what you're seeing up here on this platform. You ain't seeing, you ain't seeing a third-generation preacher. You're not seeing a person that went to cemetery schools, I mean seminary school. You're seeing a person that has made thousands of mistakes. You're seeing a person that doesn't have it all together. You're seeing a person that will preach you into triumph while suffering under my own tragedy still. You'll see a person that's telling you, hey, God's got it, but in the back of my mind, I'm saying, Kyle, but does he got you? Because what I want you to understand is the church begins to underestimate God when we think that his plans are thwarted by our mistakes. Because we think God operates like man does. You know what man does when you mess up? Man will throw you away. Let me tell you about my Jesus. My Jesus is the owner of the thrift store. He's the owner of the lost and found. And what everybody else disregarded, what everybody else got rid of, he got up and went down and paid full price. Oh, he got up and paid full price for it. When Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He paid full price for what the world had thrown away. The moment that we think our mistakes disqualify us is the moment that we disqualify God's power from working within us. Paul said it this way, that in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. Philippians 3 and 13, Paul said to the church at Philippi, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know what the best thing that can happen to some of y'all today is? You forget. Some of you are stuck because you refuse to forget. And while you refuse to forget, you are underestimating God's power to work in spite of your mistakes. To the woman that's here today and every time you worship, the enemy begins to remind you of that abortion that you had. To, to the man that's here today and 
and, and you struggled in and out of addiction, relapsed 10 and 12 times, and the moment you raise your hand, the enemy rises up and says, put your hands down. You don't deserve, he don't want your worship. He don't want your praise. To the family that is in the, in the midst of a divorce, and you're here, and you're wanting to worship, but all the enemy is doing is reminding you of the calamity of your own household. I came to serve notice on all of hell and let you know that my mistakes do not determine God's ability and power to flow in my life. What we have to understand is that it is in our weakness that his strength is made perfect. The fourth thing that I want to tell you is that we have to stop underestimating the miraculous possibilities that God can bring into our life. I truly believe the only reason why the church has not seen the move of God like we truly believe is there is because we're underestimating God's miraculous power and its ability to flow. Do you understand that if you would sit in this room today and understand that you are a part of the next greatest revival that the world has ever seen. That's okay, play patty cake with God. Your hand claps just told on you. Your hand claps just told on you. If I just told you that you were the winner of a million dollars, y'all, Some of y'all would have busted a lap. If I showed up with my little suit on, my publisher's clearinghouse check, Pastor John would have thrown that cane and said, it worked, Pastor Linda, it worked. <laughs> but if I, being a man of God, stand behind the sacred desk of God's word, and I tell you that you and I'm a high are the part of the next greatest move of God that the world, if you would just grasp that by faith and say, God, we believe, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If faith would charge the atmosphere, now unto him who is able. Let me tell you something. There's as much God as you can stand in this room. He is only hindered by your ability to activate it by faith. Psalm 77 and 14 said, You are the God who does wonders, and you have declared your strength among the peoples. I love that. He's the God that does wonders. Wonders are not carried by preachers and prophets and pastors. Wonders are what he does. But he's declared his strength among his peoples. If you look around this room today, it is a full of peoples that God is desiring to declare his strength among. That if you would realize that you are not a church attender, but you are an activator of the portals of heaven and of glory, that if you would understand that in these hands is the power of healing through the blood of Christ, that if you would understand now unto him who is able, that if you would understand you can speak a thing, see a thing, shift a thing, move a thing, if you get faith inside of you to say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The fifth thing, lastly, the last way that I believe that the church underestimates God is by forgetting that God's grace is endless and unfathomable. It's been said, grace, G-R-C-E, is God's riches at Christ's expense. See, Mercy is not getting what you should have gotten, but grace is getting what you should not have gotten. Mercy is not getting 
what you should have gotten, but grace is getting what you should not have gotten. And where does the church begin to underestimate God? The church begins to underestimate God when we forget that his grace is endless and unfathomable. Psalms 103, verse 10. Musicians, you can come on. Psalms 103 and verse 10 says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins. I feel this. I'm serving notice on hell today over some people's destinies that are in this room. There are people that are sitting in this room and you haven't done anything for God because you've believed the lie of the devil that you're not good enough. You've underestimated the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the love of God. But today in Psalms 103, he says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Watch this, verse 11. And it says, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west... So far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children. So the Lord pities those who fear him. You know, I've had my kids come to me and they said this, Daddy, don't be mad. It was just a couple weeks ago, Adley Grace said to me, she said, Daddy, I did this, are you mad? And I said, no, baby, I'm not mad, I'm just glad that you told me. And you know, I wonder sometimes if that's not God's response to us. That we think he's going to be mad, that we think he's going to throw us away, but as a, as a father pities his children. He knows our frame. He knows what you're made of. He knows everything you've been through. He knows everything that's come against you. He knows everything that's tried to destroy you. But he also knows everything that's built you. He knows our frame. And he remembers that we are dust. See, the opposite of Underestimating is expectation. But he who comes to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Dominion Church, you've got no idea what you're a part of right now. You don't understand you're not here by accidents nor coincidence. You don't understand that in this moment you didn't make up your mind and say, I'm going to church. No, 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 no. The Bible says that no man comes unless the Spirit draws him. And I want to tell you that all in this room are people that Holy Spirit stood by your bed this morning and said, I still love you. I still for you. I'm still calling you. I still got a plan for you. it ain't over until God says it's over. Over the last two weeks, we moved not only our house, me and Jamie, but the church, one of the largest ministry moves I've ever been a part of in my life. But there was one constant thing that was being said around both of those places while we were moving. All throughout the house and all throughout the ministry, I kept hearing this one phrase. And it wasn't until just this morning that God told me he was speaking. There was one phrase that was throughout the church. There was one phrase that was throughout my house. And that phrase was, box that up.
And the Spirit of God spoke to me and he said, Kyle, you got to be careful that in seasons of moving, you don't put me in a box. I understand we're in a season of transition. I understand we're in a season of change. But God is saying today, even in the midst of the move, you can put the dishes in the box, but don't put him in the box. I'm not beyond the faith to believe that in our first service, God could pay this place off. I'm not beyond the place in in our first service that we could decide, hey, we got to do something different. Build that bigger assembly tomorrow. I'm not in the space to think that God couldn't in this service save somebody that will rise up and become one of the ministry leaders of this very house on the first service. I'm not going to underestimate God that in this service, he can restore that marriage that's on the cliff today. I'm not going to underestimate God that in this service, he couldn't heal that daughter of cancer and he couldn't heal that man of arthritis. I'm not going to under, I'm not putting God in no stinking box. I'm not putting God in no box. Stand with me all over this house. There's people all in this house today. And you've allowed the enemy to put God in a box. You've underestimated what God wants to do with your life. Listen to me, brother. Look at me, sister. He does not care where you've been. He does not care what you've done. He only cares about where you're going. And today can be the intersection of change. Today your destiny can be thwarted to move forward with his purpose. As you're all over this room today, every head bowed and every eye closed all over this room, I feel the spirit of the living God. I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, don't underestimate me. Don't underestimate me. Don't remind me of your past. Let me tell you about your future. Don't tell me what's falling apart. Let me tell you what's falling into place. Don't tell me how bad you got it. Let me show you how good I am. If you're here, every head bowed and every eye closed all over this room. And you'd say, preacher, not where I need to be with God today. My life is in shambles. Things are broken. And he's in the box. I've underestimated him. I've listened to the voice of the enemy. If that's you right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, will you raise your hand all over this room? There you are. There you are. Raise them high. Unashamed. Raise them high. Raise them high. Come on. You're serving notice on all the hell. You're saying, devil, not today. Not anymore. I'm going to serve God. There's 10, 15, 20 hands all over this room lifted up. This is what we're about to do. Listen to me. Keep that hand up. Don't put it down. Don't put it down. Every head bowed, every eye closed. That person that's next to you, I need you to nudge them out of the way. And I want you to come forward to this altar right now. One, two, three. Come. Come. Here they come, Dominion. Come on. If your hand was up, come. 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 Here they come. Here they come. 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 Come kneel at this altar. Come kneel at this altar. Come kneel at this altar. Come kneel, 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 kneel. Here they come. Here they come. Here they come. Yeah, 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 yeah. He loves you, daughter. He loves you. He loves you. Come, come, come. If the Spirit of God's pulling on you, come, come, come. If you raise your hand, don't you listen to the voice of the enemy. The voice of the enemy will tell you to stay there. That's a lie from hell. You leave there and come here and watch and see what God will do. Ministry leaders, fivefold ministry leaders, altar workers, begin to pray with them right now. Pray, pray. We're going to worship. Church, don't go nowhere yet. We're going to worship in this moment as people are being gloriously saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Listen to me on this altar right now. I know I've counted at least 15 people in this moment that are saying yes to Jesus. And the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices. Listen, if you're on this altar and God's working, our pastors and ministry leaders are going to take you around the corner to our connections area, something new that we're doing here because we want to not just catch fish, we want to keep fish. So we're making an intentional effort to disciple them. So if you're on this altar, if God's moving in your life, stay on that altar. But when you get up, follow one of the leaders around to the Connections Corner. They've got a place for you. They're going to minister with you. They're going to talk to you about Jesus. Pastor Devon Pops, Mom, y'all will. Will y'all go to the Connections area even with them, please? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, Dominion. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. You know what's so funny? I was talking to Pastors Jason and Stephanie Bracy yesterday, and we were getting the connections area ready. And I told them, I said, you know, we need to put some chairs in case there's a waiting area. And one of them said, they said, hey, one of these days we're going to go down there, and there's not going to be enough chairs, and it's going to be out in the hall. And I guarantee if you look down that hall right now, there's not enough chairs and it's down the hall. Church, this is what happens when we refuse to underestimate a God who is able. He's able. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, far more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine, according to the power that's at work within us. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for what you've done, and we thank you for what you're doing. God, this is beautiful. 